Was, all right, inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud, iTunes, currently number four. So suck it to all my haters out there. Thousands and thousands of podcasts out there. And I've not cracked the iTunes code. I've cracked the funny code. Some of you are going to be working on that for a real long time. But I appreciate the love and support of the soldiers that are in the Earl Army, the Skakel Army. And today I have a comic who is a comedy store favorite. He's, uh, I always say this a lot, but he's a dude. I, you know, you see people every night, you know them, but you don't know them. Um, he's a comic from the Tampa Bay area. So we will have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Pittsburgh Steelers game on mute, of course, which starts in about an hour. Please give it up for the military man, Mr. Eric Oligny. Thanks for having me on, Earl. Glad to be here finally. I've been actually looking forward to this. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry it took so long, dude. But, no, it's uh, all right. You're one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, when I listen to you do the Tommy Morris podcast, that's when I just fell in love with this podcast. Well, uh, you know, I try and get interesting guests. And, uh, you know, Tommy, uh, I think I've told the story that, uh, you know, I'd heard he reached out to Mark Marin, And I don't know what Mark Marin said to him, but I'm assuming it was uh, either fuck off or no or both. So I'm like, well, if Tommy wants to talk, get him on. And, uh, you know, it was a uh, podcast that I will tell anyone that, you know, I do comedy shows and they're like, what's a, like a good starter to listen to your podcast? And I, I, I always tell them that one. Well, that's where I started and it was, it got, it kept me on it. It's like, that was so informational and like pe going, being around Tommy and having to do all the stuff that you know, we had to do the, the hoops we had to jump through. It was nice to hear, you know, you ask the questions that we wanted to be asked. The ramblings of a uh, maniac. Definitely. But, uh, he thought he was Mitzi, I think. Yeah, I mean, I I think that... Uh, it was kind of like the, uh, what's that movie? Uh, I'm not... Uh, Bates Motel? Right, right. It was that yeah, kind Psycho. Of, yeah, Psycho. There we go. Um, well, you know, uh, he was the guy in charge. Thankfully, now the guy in charge is... You know, got his eye on the prize. and he He's gets, really good at what he does, yeah. Yeah, he gets, you know, you want people to come. You have to get famous comics. and and I'm not his favorite, but he's very honest, and I like him for that. Yeah. Because Tommy would bullshit you, and at least Adam's straight up. Well, Adam will tell you, you know. And, and But, you know, what he also does is he, uh, the comics who aren't famous are funny. Like, you know, I'm oh, not definitely. famous, but I'm funny. You've been crushing it lately in the late night, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, Candace Thompson's not, you know, in, in the technical sense, famous, whatever that means, but she's amazing. Yeah, very funny. Um, I mean, she's as funny, if not as funnier than Amy Schumer. Yeah. Uh, Jamar Neighbors. Jamar Neighbors is so Andre Yokolano. There's so many. I mean, there's, you know, everyone he's passed, you can't argue with. There's, yeah, Brian Simpson and Ron Taylor lately, they were both yeah, I great mean, passes. Um, and he's passing all kinds, you know, women, minorities, gay, straight, older, younger, uh, you know, whereas Tommy would just pass people who gave him weed or studio time. I figured Eliza's dog would have been passed if he stayed. 
I mean, you know, as crazy as it sounds, you know, I know uh, Bob Wheeler, who I think was the comedy store uh, accountant uh, Tommy would give spots to. He gets a little typewriter next to his name on the wall. I mean, it's crazy, but that's, you know, how wacky when you try and explain the dark ages of the comedy store to people. It's like that's the literally the accountant got passed just because he uh, wanted to do stand up. It's weird because the store was a tougher time then, but I'm glad I got to be at least at the very end of it and got to see like three years of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, you know, people think roast battle is a tough show, uh, you know you take that most you know hardened roast battle comic they'd shit their pants if they did potluck in o'neill and oh my God. brought them up or i was terrified when i'd have to go up with anybody on those those uh those hosts or you know they were like, brutal then you know brody who you know back then was like pretty aggressive and you know i love when you had him on and you talked about that how he told that kid but i mean people don't understand how dark and like dirty the store was back then and you know you take these you know roast battle comics who walk around the club and it's not a tuesday night and they they start roasting people it's like you know you you get the shit slapped out of you you know back in the dark ages like people would fight yeah you know you tried to roast someone in like 2005 ish you, you let's go in the parking lot and i'm sure you've had that happen where the younger comedians come up to you and i've had it happen a couple of times where they come up to me and i'm around like let's say theo vaughn and jason tebow and we're hanging out and they come up and throw a roast joke at me in the middle like they're trying to roast me while well, i don't even know who you are and i'm like where do you come from roasting somebody out of nowhere and then on top of it you're around all these other comedians well, they don't get it. I mean, it's like they think it's their way in at the comedy store. It's just obnoxious. And a shout out to Kelly Labanco, who's a, a comedy store legend herself in Facebook chat right now. What's up, Kelly? Um, but they, it's not a way to get in at the store as a comic. You know, I learned the best way to just be be around the store is to keep your head low and be funny. Yeah, but that's it. You don't have to talk to anybody. I'm pretty much a loner there. I hang out with everybody, but I still kind of by myself a lot. Well, Adam's um, got to see, and I, when I say you, I, I don't mean you, but like he's to the comics listen, he's got to see on stage. You know? Yeah. I see so many comics, you know, who go in the back and smoke pot, which is fine or whatever, but it's like, uh, you, you think Adam's going to poke his head back there and go, oh, this guy's lighting up a bowl. I should pass him. <laughs> You know, you got to like, there's one comic in particular. I've never seen him go up at the store, but he's there a lot. And he just kind of loiters and hangs out and walks around. And, you know, it's like, you know, you're wasting your time. Yeah. I, uh, I always ask Adam probably once every two months for my friends and family spot so he can see my development. So he can see that I'm going out and I'm hitting the open mics before I go to the store, doing all the things I need to do before I go to the store. Yeah. I mean, you got to get better, you know, and, if, and I hang at the store a lot. But I yeah, but that's not going to do anything. Like, no, definitely not. You know, um, in terms of you know, everyone's goal is to get past at the store, get yeah. your name on the wall, uh, and that's not the end all, be all. You know, it's not like I'm super famous. I've been passed now for uh, thirteen, well, four years, uh, and I mean, I'm certainly more well known. But you know, I think people, you know, it's a lot like roast battle, or you know, I've had three people from season three call me. And go, what do I do now? <laughs> like, and it's the same thing with, you know, on a much higher scale of getting past at the store. You get past, and it's not like 
you're getting a 10 picture development deal the next day yeah you got to keep working and yeah you got to go to other clubs too and you know you just can't be a store and that's why i went on that road trip is to get out get out and go do comedy elsewhere and see the see the country not just los angeles yeah i mean you got to do and that's what i want to get into uh now is like like i see so many comics they they don't really go anywhere but the store they'll do like the open mics at the store and and they'll just you know think that's the way to get past but they don't really improve because they're pretty much performing in front of comics only so there's no growth but you recently did something i frankly never would have done uh even back in my hunger days you know uh, you traveled from one end of this country to the next doing open mics in like each state yeah it was fun how did you map that out um originally i got my first feature gig because i got passed to the laugh factory so i was really happy to get my first feature gig and i thought to myself well brody always brody stevens always told me you're not a feature until you go feature you're not an opener until you go open and so I got that feature again. I was like, I'm finally a feature. I'm going to go and go around the country and work on my comedy so I can be a really good feature. I'm not just going to be some shit feature who you see. I'm going to be somebody you'll remember. And so I went, I, I mapped it all out before I went. I started to go fund me to help me pay for it. And, uh, and you got like, uh, I saw like one person gave you like five grand. Yeah. A really good friend in comedy. I don't know. Well, I know who it is, but I'm not going to say who they are, but I thought that's pretty cool. And there was no, what I liked about how they did it, um, without mentioning uh, their name. Uh, and uh, quite frankly, it's not something I get along with that well because of a misunderstanding. But, I get that. Yeah. I know uh, what you're talking about. Um, is they did it anonymously. Yeah. Like it's always bugged me on GoFundMe or, um, a Kickstarter, all the other, uh, I think there's another one now uh, where someone's sick or, you know, there's a dying kid and they put their name, uh, Earl Skakel donated, you know, just yeah. put it anonymous. Yeah. And I, I, I was shocked when I got it and I was like, who the hell knows me that would give me five grand? I was like, was well, a very limited number of people. Yeah. It's yeah. me. Uh, and that wasn't me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I love you, but I give you five G. Uh, but you did you you did something more than the money. You actually you sent me a message on the end of the trip, like probably a month ago. Uh, I got a message on Facebook that said, uh, "I really respect your grind." Oh yeah, dude. And then I'd you put and then you put suck it, and it just made me laugh, and it mm-hmm. made me feel really good that you were thinking about me, and like you actually were you were uh, you weren't dogging me because I was out there trying to do something for myself. Oh no, dude. I, I respect anyone who does the grind, even people I don't like. It's like, you know, I know a bunch of roast battle comics go to Fresno a lot uh, and do like these shit bar gigs. But like, I respect that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I did it, you know, my earlier years, uh, because you're not until you get TV credits, you're not going to get stage time in LA. Yeah, and I ended up getting a bunch of really good spots that I would have never gotten here in L.A. I got to open for Bobby Lee. The great Bobby Lee. He's always helped. I mean, Bobby Lee gave me my first intro ever at the comedy store. He's very nice to do that. He, like, he didn't have to. Oh, uh, yeah. He said, let me open for him twice in San Antonio. And uh, Asana Mod was the uh, feature. And he was really funny. Yeah, he's a good dude. Works right. his ass off. But he's always going to like San Diego and do spots. Yeah, he's, he works hard. He's always at Marty's. A lot of people don't do Marty's. They're like, oh, I don't want to do Marty's. And it's, you can go up for 10 to 20 minutes. Marty's sometimes lets you go 30 to 40. It's in front of nobody, but it's still stage time that's valuable. 
I mean, it all depends uh, what level you're at. And I don't mean necessarily as a comic, but as you get older in this business, you'll stop doing things that two years ago you would have done. Yeah. 15 years ago, I would have gone to Marty's. This is great. Uh, I don't even like driving by it, let alone doing it. Uh, (laughs) But I'm also 20 years in. Yeah. And you're also, you're, you're uh, not that you, nobody's beyond it, but you're, you're, you've approached where you're, you're a paid regular at the comedy store. You're on major television shows. Keep you're going. Good, no, you're, you're getting good sure. spots. So I mean, well, I mean, yeah, I get the spots I deserve. I mean, you know. Uh, well, I like the way you work late night because a lot. Of, I'll see this at the store, and I don't like it. It's when a comic goes up late night and immediately shits on the crowd for not being a big crowd. It's like it's a late night show. Well, yeah. If you want to go on earlier, get more TV spots. Yeah, or just enjoy the crowd that you have, like you and Don do. You and Don are masters of it. But it's also like there's uh you know there's there's i think on the or lineup there's uh, i think 12 spots you know 10 to from 10 to 2 every 15 minutes what is that so 16 spots i guess uh and you know those first eight spots are for the big tv heavy hitter whopper comics you know delia and theo and uh, you, you know, Hinchcliffe and, uh, you know, Galern, Nikki Glaser, Byron Bowers. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's really, if you're on like one TV show, you've done, let's say like one Conan or you're on, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm dying up here. Like, like, the weather channel. Yeah. But like, <laughs> you're going to go on at 1230. There's no room for you. You're not going to bump Dalia. No. Uh, so he's a great entertainer. Oh, he's great. Like he uh, is a fantastic entertainer. You talk about a grinder, you know. Yeah. He doesn't get the credit because, you know, his dad was in the business, but you know, I, I remember seeing him at open mics uh like fifteen or however long, twelve, fifteen years ago. He, you know, he never tried to go on ahead of anybody. He would just sit in the back. Hey, I'm Chris. Oh, Earl. He never said I'm gonna you know, you're here before me, so you'll go on before me. Like uh so i've always liked him just for being real yeah he's always been nothing but nice to me i mean people just hate on him because he's famous and successful well i think they more hate on him because his father was where he is in the industry he works hard but there's no denying his talents and hello to uh, iris and keith in the chat you know, I don't like to say hello to many people in Facebook because then the people listening on iTunes are like, what the fuck is this guy? <laughs> Who's he saying hello to? But I'm all, I mean, I'm all, I'm on all forums. But see, this gives media. them a reason to go back to iTunes and listen again because they're like, I want to hear my name being told by Earl. Well, that's the whole plan. It's like you, people ask me all the time, like, you know, why are you so high up on iTunes? It's because I work it. You know, I, I do the Facebook live. I, I do Instagram. You know, I don't Periscope. Uh, I never really did, but like I'm doing everything, you know, pay a guy to do the podcast cover art. Uh, you know, there's no hacking into iTunes. No, it's really social media in general. All these things are just, it's really hard to gain a following. You have to be consistent. You have yeah. To- I mean, that's, I mean, I gave an A-level comic advice the other night whose podcast is somewhat struggling and they're like, well, you know, how are you so high up? Like they were insulted that I was doing well over them. And I'm like, it's consistency. Like yeah, I, it really every week. It's consistency also in finding the entertainment. You got to find these entertaining things that you, you bring a lot of entertaining people on here. No, but you I'm know, not talking, I'm not talking about myself, but, but I mean, you're like, it's, you know, like, you know, you're not the most known comic, not but at all. like, 
you got a great story. You know, it, it's an entertaining interview. Uh, would I love to have Jerry Seinfeld on? Sure. I mean, uh, but, you know, it, it's I'd rather have a friend on, like two people at a bar talking, and then, you know, I want to do like what Rogan does. Like Rogan had Hinchcliffe on when nobody knew who Tony was. Yeah. Uh, Duncan Trussell, Ari Shafir, Bert Kreischer, Tom Segura and Christina. Like nobody knew who these people were. And now everyone's going to know because all things comedy just got picked up by Comedy Central. So, uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, Big time. You know, that's in, in Al Madrigal and Bill Burr, like yeah. two awesome dudes. And you're seeing a lot now where people are working uh, with Comedy Central and Netflix. I mean, Roast Battle's on Comedy Central, but uh, the historical roast is now going to be on Netflix. So uh, I think, you know, there was a point in time where people were scared to work for, say, Netflix out of fear of, like, Comedy Central saying, suck it. But, you know, now it's, you know, I think people look at it as like, no, we want you on Netflix too, because then people go to Comedy Central and watch whatever you're on on this network. I think they're realizing TV is pretty much a dead medium now, except for sporting events. But even sporting events are like, I mean, look at the I had to ask you where the Steeler Buccaneers game was because I watch all my stuff on Reddit. I mean, I, I don't watched, have cable, so. And but the, I mean, that's crazy though that like you know Monday Night Football when I was a kid was Channel Seven, five o'clock. Yeah, NBC. Uh, well, for me, when I was, uh, I mean, that's more Sunday night football. Uh, but like, I had to ask you what channel Monday night football was on. Was it on ABC back then? Yeah. Oh, okay. It was on ABC. And yeah. then, uh, I think, MB then it, I think it went to NBC, but like, uh, in terms of comedy, there's just too much comedy on TV, you know? So there's a little too much on Netflix right now. Well, there's too much on, I, I mean, you know, you, you figure that, um, I mean, Conan has comics on Kimmel sometimes does Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Fallon, Seth Myers, yeah. uh, Corden or James. Yeah. Corden. James Corden has, that's five shows right there, but he did put Jesus trail on. So that was good. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, but you know, you know, Dean Del Rey was just on Conan. Yeah. Uh, Dean's a talk about a hustler. Yeah. But that, that that's guy. like, yeah, but people hate on him cause he, know you know, like he's opening up for Bill Burr and, and September 28th at the forum. But yeah, all, he does his is, ass off. all he does is do stand up. He like literally goes everywhere in his bike. Yeah, I mean, but that's like, you know, well, how come he's getting that gig? And I know, you know, because well, he asked for it. That's one thing I don't like being around anymore is uh, bitter comics who just bitch and moan about shit that didn't happen for him. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm bitter, but I, I think I'm, I look at it as more being honest. I think, uh, you're, I think you're jokingly bitter. But I mean, I think, you know, and like, you know, when I was going through my uh, beef with roast battle and, and you know, I, I, I don't take back one thing I said. You shouldn't. Because everything a, I said was true. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, but like I was there, I was there when it started. So I know how important you were to that show. Yeah. And, and so uh, if you remember Alex Phillips and I were like the either second or third battle ever. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't. But like, uh you know it's a fine line of sticking up for yourself and burning bridges i mean i'm sure comedy central's not like my biggest fan at the moment but uh you know i don't think i burned a bridge you know it's not like i said the network sucks or the, you know anyone associated with roast battle sucks um i was like this is what happened to me and it was like seven or eight things 
wasn't yeah. like it was just one thing. And uh, just being honest, and you saw Anthony Jeselnik on his special. He said the same thing about Comedy Central. Like he, he, he lashed out on him on his special. Well, I mean, he's in a little bit more of a position to. Uh, I can see that. Yeah. Say things that I can't, but like I, I still don't. Uh, you know, I, I, I love him. I love his honesty and his. I don't give a fuck. I'm yeah, he's, say. he's awesome. I mean, I'm sure he gives a fuck, but like. Uh, you know, I, I just like his uh, the way he approaches comedy, and he doesn't take shit from anybody. And he's one of the best judges on roast battle for sure. Well, yeah, because he gets the show. Like I think sometimes they get these judges who don't really, yeah, they understand. Think it, they the think show. it's like uh, the Voice, where they have to say something nice about the person. Yeah, like Whoopi Goldberg was like she was a little like, do I, am I supposed to be mean to them? Am I supposed to be funny? Am I supposed to like just judge and and uh, but she was great she got you know into it she settled into a groove dr mm -hmm. ken's a great judge yeah because he he gets in you know he's a pro wrestling freak so uh i liked leslie as a judge she was crazy really funny i mean uh i think i don't know if she gets the vibe of the show like you know uh, obviously she's incredibly funny but i think sometimes she took things personally it's like hey we're all oh fair. yeah 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 we're all that. fair game up here yeah like Everyone. no one cares who you are that's the to this day that's what i love about roast battle the most is that when you walk up those stairs or if it's on tv but primarily about the weekly show we're all same yeah you're like out in the african safari and you're just the little yeah gazelles I mean, running it, it's the only place where an open mic comic can sit there and look at jeff ross and you know jeff will zing them and say something you know funny about them and then they can go back at jeff and just shit on him if they yeah, yeah. shit on him and then there's been some really funny comebacks and oh yeah i mean uh but i think leslie sometimes would like get uh a little I, I, you'd have to ask her like offended or upset you know because people would go at her but I think Dave Taylor went at her once about <laughs> Ghostbusters, but it's like that's that's the show, and that's Dave Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I mean Dave Taylor, I wish was more a part of roast battle because he, to me, fits uh, the vibe of the show. Where he's very funny. It's very he's insanely honest. And the truth is, is his show with Tebow and Sandy Danto are the reason the roast battle even exists. Well, we must not forget Stephanie Simbari having a horrific open mic. Uh, <laughs> that, and it wasn't bad because of Stephanie, but it was just, you know, Tuesday night, there was nothing going on. Uh, it's not like she was, you know, like you go to Roast Battle now and you watch the comedy before Roast Battle, the stand-up portion. It's all like great comics like Jack Knight and Jamar and Jeremiah and uh you know pat barker yeah i mean it's it's like a who's who of yeah. uh you know sertiano will do it every now and then back then it wasn't that kind of quality it was just like horrific open micers and then you know stephanie gave it up to brian and then you know it's crazy to see a show go from an open mic with not one person in it to three seasons three on seasons Netflix. on tv I mean, on it's TV. going to canada now mexico it's in the uk like literally all from the belly room on a tuesday night and you remember you remember the inside joke the secret the secret show with david taylor and sandy dance yeah that was uh, i think that was on sunday night it was on so. wednesdays so but then uh you know there was an incident there that made the uh 
we won't go, go into what the incident was, but there was a topic <laughs> covered that wasn't uh, cool, and uh, you know that show was shut down. I mean, shut but it is. It did kind of lead to well, we need another wacky show up there, and you know, luckily, uh, Josh Martin and Kenny Lyon, who I would have loved to have seen on television. I really think that if they do a season four of Roast Battle, and I'm sure they will, they have to put Kenny Lyon and Josh Martin on. I mean, they started it all. And I would just be amazed if he doesn't come out Buffalo billing it. But if they don't fight that night, Moses doesn't say what he said. And then, you know, it went well. And then the next week, can can we roast each other? And then the next week, a couple people. I mean, it really started from nothing. Yeah. So it's uh, pretty cool. It is cool. I mean, even my problems notwithstanding, I still speak very highly of the show. And, you know, if you're in L.A. on Tuesday nights, it's the place to be. Um, It's still five years later, completely sold out every night. Do you feel like the energy is not the same as it was when it first started with like that, that ruckus, like the whole room would shake? Yeah. Well, I must say right now, before we get into that, uh, Notre Dame High's finest Jamie Wagenbaugh, who I took basketball class freshman year, taught by the legendary Al Schubert, Shuby, Duby, and I got to play basketball with the seniors, which was a big deal to me. Hello, Jamie, Notre Dame High for life. Any relation to Jimmy Schubert? Is that his father? No, no. Al Schubert was uh, my eighth grade basketball coach, and it was a big deal because the starting point guard for Notre Dame High 1982-83 was the coach of, I believe, Pittsburgh University right now, Jamie Dixon. Oh, damn. And uh, Jamie Dixon passed me the ball once uh, in a practice, and I shot an air ball. So uh, I didn't get the ball again. (laughs) But it was crazy that you'd have a basketball class count as a credit. So good old Notre Dame High in my heart forever well we had basketball in high school too for but i mean like i shouldn't have been in the basketball class i mean <laughs> i you know and then they got mad at me because i didn't play football you know and then because i got cut from the basketball team because i didn't play football because well, i was been, you know i live growing up in florida is i really once you get to high school i kind of realized that my dreams of playing pro sports were really limited well um, i think you know yeah, because high school football in Florida is like... It's ridiculous. I played one year, and it was just... I was getting knocked out every day. <laughs> well, I mean... It's getting you beat know, up. It's basically pro football like, yeah. it, it, for teenagers. Like, and I quit know. baseball at 15 because the kids were pitching like 85. Oh, yeah. I mean, I. it's scary. Like, some of the, like when I was at Notre Dame, and he was in the class... He was in basketball class, too. It was uh, six-pack Jack McDowell... And uh, who went on to win Cy Young Awards, and for, I think for the White Sox. Um, he played for Toronto, didn't he, too? He, I think he played for the Angels for a second. Uh, he's more known for being on the White Sox. But, uh, you know, like he threw like 95 miles an hour in high school. Like I'll never forget watching him pitch. It was like unfair. But yeah. he was, the he was you know, he was the age. I mean, it was, this wasn't like it was the Puerto Rican team in the Little League World Series where they all have full fucking facial hair and, you know. Uh, well, that's the one thing with California and Florida sports is there's all the athletes are so goddamn good. Well, it's California, Florida, and Texas. Yeah, because you can play sports year-round. I mean, Texas, um, 
the football games that are played in like the college stadiums. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are 10,000 people at a high school game. It's like high school hockey in Minnesota. They play where the Minnesota Wild play. Um, so, uh, yeah, I didn't have a, a big uh, high school career either just because, you know, I'd never seen black kids my age before <laughs> or white kids. Like I was the biggest kid in my grade school. So, you know, I dominated in sports. Yeah. Because I was just, no one could stop me. I mean, I was unstopped. I was like Bo Jackson. I was great at every sport. Kickball, I was like Mickey Mantle. <laughs> like, I would kick home runs. Uh, and most kids at that time couldn't get out of the fucking infield. I was like... You were the one kicking it and hitting somebody with the ball. and just I was breaking around. windows. Uh, <laughs> um, but then I got to Notre Dame and saw, like, I played one day of freshman football. And I was like, oh, this isn't happening. I remember how fun kickball was, and then I played it like five years ago, and I was like, "This shit kind of sucks now." Like it's there, and these people take it seriously. These older people who play it. Oh yeah, there's a gay kickball league. Uh, if anything's gayer than kickball, it's a gay <laughs> kickball league. Uh, I don't know if that's someone's joke. It almost seems like too easy of a joke to write, <laughs> but maybe it was a gay softball. Some some comic had a joke very similar to that, but. Uh, you know, kickball back when I was playing was like, for, for whatever reason, my grade school didn't want us playing with bats. So we, it was kickball was our like big go-to sport. But, uh, you know, that was, you know, uh, how I socially developed was through sports. Yeah. But I feel like we had fun when we were kids. And now that we're older, the ones that are on the other side of the field, they take it more seriously and don't really have fun playing it. Well, I mean, because now it's like, you know, back then, I don't think, even though pro athletes were making a lot of money, certainly in the 70s, I, I'm, I'm sure like Kareem was making 300 grand when he yeah. was playing for the Lakers, which is crazy. But like now if Kareem played, he'd make literally 30 million. So uh, I think kids see that and they're like, wow, I want 30 million a year. <laughs> You know, I don't think kids back then was like, I want 300 grand a year. Like, and even though, it, and there's some idiot kid that's out there really getting good at kickball and is going to realize later that there's no career in kickball. I mean, I don't think there is. I mean, there, maybe in China, there's some wacky sports out there, but like basketball, football, hockey, if you're a kid in Canada. Um, what's the what's the one in the Olympics? The uh, ice, it's oh, the curling, curling. That's the one I, I'm kind of I love the sport, but I'm baffled. Like, who was the one who was like, this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life? I, I mean, because what do you do after the Olympics? <laughs> right. It's, it's like uh, you're really I mean, good at brushing something to get it to go. At least with volleyball, there's like a pro beach league, I think, still. And, uh, you know, softball, there's, you know, you can I don't know if you can make money being a pro softball player, but like, I mean, you can make money being a pro dart player. Yeah, I mean... Uh, That's actually... You can make really good money being a dart player. But it's also the world sports scene is, you know, just because it's not big in America, like, you know, soccer is the best example. Like, yeah, it's the biggest sport in the world. You know, and you, we don't give a shit about it. You see those transfers they get to move one player to another team. It's like 30 or 40 million just to get the guy. Like, you have to pay to get the guy. And then you got to pay him another 30 million to play. Yeah. Like, but they make it. I mean, I've never seen a... Like a Manchester United game that's not completely sold out, or uh, I hate Manchester United just because our owners own that team. I mean, I don't follow it, so uh, but you know, you see, I, I mean, it's crazy how 
rabid the fans are over there and racist too. Jesus, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of the Bucks ownership. Because no. you're a Tampa Bay fan, so let's get back into. Co- I'm talking too much about me. Uh, so you do this huge trip. What was the wackiest gig you had? And before you say that, this is where we're going to cut the Facebook live feed. So if you want to know what Eric's wackiest gig was, you're going to have to listen to the rest of this on iTunes when it comes out tomorrow. Inappropriate Earl SoundCloud and iTunes for the Facebook live freakers, Eric. Where can they find you on Twitter and Instagram? Find me at Eric Oligny. That's E-R-I-C-O-L-I-G-N-Y. Thanks for uh, joining us. Yeah, yeah, he's a good dude. And, uh, of course, we're going to talk for a while uh, after this. But, you know, I like to give you guys a little tasty, and then you hop on over to iTunes. Or if you don't do the Steve Jobs machine, uh, SoundCloud, it's it's free. On I think a lot of people don't realize, uh, yes, you have to pay for your music on iTunes, but podcasts are free. So, uh, and for my friend, Julie Seabaugh, the great Julie Seabaugh. She's awesome. I got a couple book plugs I want you guys to do. Buy the Roast Battle Coffee Table book with pictures, of course, by the inimitable Troy Conrad. It's on Amazon, I believe. And uh, I had a guest on a few weeks ago. If you're into the Sunset Strip music scene, which uh, you know I am, uh, go on www.vickyhamilton.com and buy her book, Appetite for Destruction. She was the first person to get Guns N' Roses over to Geffen. She managed Poison back in the day. She helped manage and uh, facilitate Motley Crue's early career. Um, so please support my friend's book projects. Vicki Hamilton, Appetite for Destruction. Julie Seabaugh, The Roast Battle coffee table book and we're going to talk to eric about his wackiest gig in three two one what was the wackiest gig e-man okay so i was uh i was in tampa i had to be there uh for a couple weeks um waiting for to go open for leslie jones at the improv and so i had had a couple weeks to just sit around and like go to open mics and do whatever um this place called green iguana on Southwest Shore in Tampa, it is my favorite, one of my favorite bars in Tampa, and it's just uh, it's very South Tampa kind of people. It's not not in, not a lot of tourists, um, so I go to there, and I usually go up on their open mic uh, Thursday nights. They have an open mic there, so if you're in Tampa, you can go there and go check it out. Uh, I go up on their open mic, uh, but it was a, probably after the bartender, who's one of my friends, Josh McKellar. He's over at the bar, and he's yelling at me to come take a bunch of shots. And so I go over there and he lines up some Jamesons and I took one Jameson and I was like, I'm good. And he's like, no, no, no. And I kept drinking Jameson. And I didn't realize like how drunk I was until I, my name was called by the musicians who do the open mic. And I get on stage and I did my jokes, but I only did the setups and I didn't do the punchlines. <laughs> so it was really hard for the audience to follow me. And somebody walks by me and goes, you're not very good at this. <laughs> and I just remember that moment. Uh, and I could, the next day I woke up and I was like, this is why I don't drink and do comedy. Like I just remember, cause I, you know, I don't drink in LA. I normally don't drink before I go on stage. Um, that night just happened to be one of those nights where I got really wasted. And I just remember not just doing my setups and no punchlines, which is not a very good formula if you're going to make people laugh. I mean, you got to be focused. 
Yeah. It's like, it's no joke. Jimmy Carr told me that. He's like, nobody is funnier when they're drunk. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy, I think, is stone cold sober. He is. Uh, has a mind. And, uh, but, you know, a lot of people smoke weed. I mean, I'm sure, uh, you know, it's different for everyone, you know. Uh, I just think that, well, I mean, on the road, you might have a little leeway at the blue iguana or what was it green, called green iguana but there is a blue iguana too I think. green iguana uh you know but i when i see these people at the store drunk or high and they're just fucking on stage like you know wasting the time it's like dude what are you doing you don't know who's in the room right now who could help you yeah and even if the talent booker's not in the room you know Word gets around at the store. Very quickly. I mean, that's part of what got me passed was just a million people going up to Adam going, hey, you got to pass Earl. He's the guy. He's the man. He's whatever they were saying. He's funny. He's been up here. You know, and, and that happens right now. I'm sure someone was in his ear. Hey, Brian Simpson's really funny. I did a show with him here and I did a show with him there. Uh, so it's, uh, I always tell people, give it your best. You never know who's in the room that can help you. Yeah. You know? And that's so, why I quit drinking there. I mean, I saw the path I was going down. I mean, you can, uh, you know, I don't mean to be a square, you know, you can have a good time, but it's just like, you know, what's more important, you know, a, a good time or getting up in front of people who can help you. Yeah. And that's the thing is, uh, one of the reasons I hang out at the store, uh, a lot in the late nights is working with Don and Brody has definitely made me a better comic. It's definitely made me more valuable in the improv sense, being able to spit something out and be funny. Uh, you know, like uh, when Brody plays with me on stage, that makes me better at being funny just in the moment. Yeah, I mean, I tell everyone, if you want to get better as a comic, work with better comics than mm -hmm. you. I mean, that's what got me uh, more accelerated was, uh, you know, working with, you know, writing on Ian Bagg's talk show, you know, I wasn't nearly ready to be in a room with someone the caliber of Ian, but it made me get better. So, uh, yeah, know. I try to surround myself with the fun people I find the funniest, which is to me, it's you, it's Rick Ingram, it's Jason Tebow, um, go along with Don Barris, Brody Stevens. I mean, all these guys are collectively people I go to for anything. If I want to go talk to and, um, just to shoot the shit but then when i'm hanging out with them i can see how we connect together and then i can be how i can be funnier like things that they do like tebow's very smart about how to improv yeah i mean he's uh, taught me a lot about that which is basically learning how to be what what is the funny and what you're saying well and you have to listen too, like with improv i mean that's what they teach you in the groundlings listen yes and you know and and you know they but improv at the comedy store late nights, you know, it's not the groundlings. No, definitely uh, not. But I mean, it helps you listen to the audience. Like when you are at the red iguana and um, <laughs> the teal iguana, uh, you know, you'll you, maybe someone heckles you and you know to listen, you know, and wait the beats and then, yeah, and then get, get them. Uh, I would say that's the most rewarding thing uh, in my career so far at the comedy store, at least. I've had really great sets and really good sets in each room. Uh, but the most rewarding thing is two sets with Brody where I've just knocked it out of the park with some things I've done with him and hearing a whole packed room laugh at a joke that you came up with in the comedy store is really, it's just a reward. 
Well, it's, it's just not, it's uh, not monetary, but yeah, I mean, if you do comedy in Los Angeles for monetary reasons, you'll quit after about two months. Like, there's no money in stand up in Los Angeles. You know, in the in the early part of your career, you're. I mean, I was driving to San Diego, you know, which is probably 50, 60 bucks in gas to do a 10-minute spot for free. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and pretty much any room in L.A. is not going to pay you unless you're a pass at one of the clubs. The only way I survive is I drive Postmates and I work with Byron Allen on a game show. But, you know, there's another dude, Byron Allen, everyone makes fun of, you know, because he's, you know. Uh, Square. I mean, I don't want to say hacky, but he, he's very hacky. He, he's silly humor and like, you know, like the setups on Comics Unleashed, fucking Stevie Wonder could see coming. Yeah, know? it's a middle America. It's based, uh, most of his stuff, it's smart. He's basing it for middle America. Yeah. Kinda, nobody, right. daytime. Um, not so really Earl, intelligent. you like hockey. <laughs> I hear you like hockey. Well, yeah, I told you that in the green room. Uh <laughs> But, you know, he's anything. He's far from dumb. This motherfucker just bought the Weather Channel for $300 million. Yeah. So, you know, you people who rip on Byron Allen, I remember when he was on NBC's Real People. Uh, not many people can say they have a 30-year career in this business. No, 40, 40 not, career. especially not say they can buy a $300 million company overnight. Um, I mean, that's... Uh, but you know, I, I think he's funny. Like, I not my kind of humor, but like he's Middle America's kind of humor. Yeah, he's a black he's, dude who's light skinned, which he's necessary for something. But I mean, he's like in the perfect demo where he's black, so he'll get the black crowd. But he kind of looks white. I mean, like, I mean, I you know, I don't think it's racist what I'm saying, but like, it's like he looks white enough where white people would be like, yeah, I'll give this guy a shot. Uh, you know, where someone like Bruce Bruce is so fucking black that, you know, r like racist white people. Be, I'm not watching. That. Yeah, I'm not watching this at all. Yeah. I mean, that's it's the Trump world. We and he also he writes the jokes to where he kind of placates to that subtle racism. Um, well, I mean, that's what I grew up watching is like Archie Bunker. And, yeah. You know, like uh, that was a great show. Uh, you know that and like my favorite show of all time was The White Shadow, which was like an ensemble version of uh all in the family you know where they just play it on every racial stereotype and you know all the blacks on the team were like scheming and scamming and getting girls pregnant and the jewish guy nobody liked and the uh italian guy salami was a big fucking dope and this sounds like our funny you should ask game setup like that's how it is kind of like but i mean it really i really wish this yeah, show you? was more well known uh you know, Gwyneth Paltrow's dad created it. You should request they put it on Netflix. Maybe well, it's already on Hulu. I oh, okay. recently started watching it on Hulu. And uh, it's only around for three seasons. But back then, every season was 22 episodes. This is 80s? I think it went from 78 to 81. Okay. Uh, three seasons. and uh, But it was also on at a time where there was three networks. CBS, NBC, ABC. There was no Fox. There was no CNN. There's no FX, FXX. Uh, so it was really a groundbreaking show given the subject matter that they delved into, which was, you know, uh, abortion, pregnancy. Uh, did a great episode where this high school player from another school is gay and he, he went to Carver High thinking nobody would know him. Uh, so then they go play basketball one day on the courts and there were guys from his old high school there. So it was like... 
you know, like on channel two, you heard, hey, what are you doing here, you fag? And it was just like, but this was on like 78. That's crazy. You know, on channel two on a Monday night, you just didn't hear that. I mean, now kids would be like, that's all they said. Um, yeah, because so. even in the 80s when I grew up, I didn't know what a gay person was until I was like 12. I had no idea Paul Lynn and uh, Jim J. Bullock were gay. Uh, but like, you know, Byron Allen is kind of like the anti- uh, or the antithesis of the white shadow and Archie Bunker. He's like this happy-go-lucky, you know, light-skinned black dude who can really play to all audiences because he doesn't offend anybody. Yeah. Um, but that's why he, you know, is worth what he's worth because he literally can hit every um, demographic. Yeah. Young, yeah. old. You know, he started working uh, for Jimmy Walker, writing for Jimmy Walker, and then... And that writing staff he was with, David Letterman and Jay Leno. On Good Times or uh, just? I think for his comedy, his actual stand-up. Because um, like, he was running the comedy store. Like Jimmy Walker was a huge part of the comedy store. And, like, oh, my God. So he would go up and do their jokes, but only would use them that one night. And then like, these are stories that I hear through the working at the studios. Byron talks to the audience every day before the show, and he goes over the same stories a lot. So you hear a lot of the... He always talks about Mitzi and the comedy store. And uh, that's why I had at Mitzi's memorial, I let him know so he would go. And did he show up? He did. He showed up and he spoke in the uh, main room. I mean, that was a crazy uh, Mitzi's memorial. You had like uh, Dice Clay there, Louis Anderson. Jim Carrey. um, All these amazing, yeah, Jim Carrey. uh, you know, I don't think you'll ever see that amount of talent from so many generations ever again. It was really cool. I mean, there's Tim Thomerson, I think, was there, and like Willie, uh, Willie, what's Willie his, Tyler, and Willie Lester. Tyler last year. Yeah. Uh, did he bring the dummy? No, that'd be pretty funny. Uh, you know, but like to see like someone like Tim Thomerson, it was like, wow, yeah. this guy was like big in the '80s. Like his name's on the in the uh, one of the red neon names in the original room like if you have your name in the original room in red neon you're like you're the real deal we had him on uh, argus hamilton's tim thomerson Uh oh i love him yeah i think he was on three episodes ago or four episodes ago so uh you guys can go listen to argus hamilton's yeah how do you uh how do they listen to that uh this is a show i helped produce at the comedy store it's uh, called argus ham uh comedy store tonight starring argus hamilton uh, you can go on YouTube, just look up Comedy Store Tonight starring Argus Hamilton. And what do you do on that? Uh, I just help put the team together and put every uh, put everything together, produce and direct a couple things for them. And then uh, I gave the reins over to Brett Erickson because he's running the whole podcast studio now. And he's just really good at what he does. Uh, so I just kind of loosely uh, hang out and work on some of the writing stuff with him. And I'm just kind of along for the trip now i put the team together and just watching them work and do you want to be a stand-up or do you want to um be like behind the scenes i want to be a stand-up i want to be i want to be in the front uh but i do like being part of the production it's a lot of fun to produce things and i have ideas for things i want to produce later but you know i'm surprised you don't have a podcast everyone else does <laughs> holy fuck i'm thinking about starting something about horror films why not join the party i might as well are you what 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 is your thing with horror films i just think they're fun to like you can have somebody watch them and then both of y'all can shit on it 
and you can just even if you like it you can still shit on it and it's really easy because horror films are very they're funny they have a lot of funny moments in them that you're just like you know you could do something different or like the mag like uh, i watched the mag recently and i saw that movie and it was just garbage and i felt like if they would have replaced the shark uh jason statham with the shark the movie would have been good i mean uh I like a movie like that called My Bloody Valentine. Oh, I saw that. It's really good. But the original one, not the, oh, I see. Fucking I saw the remake. remake. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, I like shitty horror films. Well, My Bloody Valentine, the original one, was good because it was like 1980, I think. It's still the scariest movie I've ever seen in a theater. Like, I remember going with my two brothers and two sisters and holding my sister's hand because it was like, oh my God. I mean, I, it was like a nightmare in Elm Street, but darker that was my movie that scared me the most yeah i mean i what scared me uh about the nightmare on elm street was the commercials for the first one because i'd always be home saturday night watching i think howard stern uh on wor which is the new york cable station and they would play the nightmare on elm street uh the the commercials like what the fuck is this <laughs> uh so it, it's uh and I think he's doing an episode of the Goldbergs coming up. The real Howard Stern is Robert England. Oh, okay. The OG Freddy Krueger. So uh, that should be fun. You know, I like him. He's he's actually good in the little cameos he does. Yeah. Oh, he's he was he he really. Uh, although I I thought I liked the Nightmare on Elm Street movies better when they weren't as humorous. Like the first two were like kind of scary. The yeah, but second, then he became like he became the Spuds McKenzie. It was just like too much shtick, and it was still funny. Um, but like this, well, I think it kind of almost even started with the second one, where there were like a lot of gay overtones. Like, <laughs> uh, but it was the time frame. You know? I gotta watch it again. There was just like looking back now, it's like I was watching that. It's not a horror movie, but Schwarzenegger's Commando. Yeah, which came out in '83, and. Uh, <laughs> the bad guy in that vernon wells who's from mad max he's an australian actor uh he, he it was like having freddie mercury fight schwarzenegger <laughs> like kill him with aids well that'd be an ultimate superpower <laughs> the aids gun <laughs> you've got aids the uh, aids gun is just his penis with a cut on it <laughs> i mean but yeah it was like only in the early 80s could you get away with the villain being like a Freddie Mercury, like a muscular Freddie Mercury. That's just like the David Bowie uh, movie. He's gay as hell in that. Well, it's kind of uh, pedophilish in that movie. Uh, Labyrinth. Well, Freddie Mercury or Freddie Krueger was kind of like, you know, you had the thing with all the children. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. And I know like in the remake with Jackie Earl Haley, who... For you bad news bears freaks, he was uh Kelly Leak. Uh he they played up the child stuff a little too much for my taste. Uh but you know, I think Jackie Earl Haley was nominated for like an Oscar. So yeah, the he's a great actor, but it's like this is like not the nightmare in Elm Street I grew up with. Uh but hey, what do I know? Like Bill Paxton said in Aliens, what do I know? I just work here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever identified with someone, a movie character like I do Bill Paxton in Aliens. Just always thinking they're out to get you. Just doom is around every corner. Uh, you know, you don't get along with your 
comedy mates and in his case shipmates that and the indian from predator the indian always knew there's someone watching them out there he always knew they were gonna get killed and at the end of the movie he just said fuck it i'm done running just took the knife cut himself <laughs> predator ate him by the way the new predator was horrible i walked out I heard you say that. Yeah, I, I was horrible. Did you like the new Alien Covenant? I did. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty awesome. I mean, I don't like these remakes. And well, it was Ridley Scott, though. Yeah, but uh, you know, Predator was Shane Black. The remake oh, really? was Shane Black. Oh. Who, if you're really a, a Predator loser fan, you realize Shane Black was the first guy killed in the original Predator. He was the nerdy guy with the glasses. Who did the the two jokes to the Indian? Hey Billy, my wife said I'd like a little pussy. I said me too. Mine's as big as a house. Get it? <laughs> it was the echo. Then he had another joke. What was the other joke? Hey, my wife has a really big pussy. My wife has a really big pussy. I said, why'd you say it twice? I didn't. It was the echo. <laughs> so I mean, that's he's a headliner. No. I don't know. By the way, it's, you know, these comics in LA are out of control. Headlining. You're going on last. <laughs> it's a big difference. You charlatans. I've been doing it 10 years. I still never headlined. Real headlined. Yeah, but I don't think people realize headlining is not just standing on stage for an hour. It's standing on stage for an hour and being funny. Yeah, people paid to see you as a headliner. Yeah, I mean, you know, most people in LA who call themselves headliners couldn't headline the head of a line. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I got to stop uh, worrying about other people and uh, concentrate on myself. You're killing it right now. Every, every set I've seen you do in the last three weeks has just been really great. I mean, I'm doing all right. You know, I can always get better, though. That's my approach with comedy. You can always get better. I feel like the offstage Earl is starting to be on stage more. Well, I myself, am, you know, I'm in a bit of a uh, crossroads where, uh, you know, like my normal stand-up is just very dry and, uh, you know, laborious delivery because that's just how I talk. Um, but lately, I've experimented late night at the comedy store with an angry, almost uh, pro-wrestler uh, type of cadence and it's killing it like, is it's, it's awesome because uh, i just talk about my frustrations with the business and you know and the crowd loves it but i don't know if that translates to like doing an hour on stage i don't you know because benji did the same thing um a couple of years ago where he had this angry character i remember it it was funny at times it killed uh, and then he went back to his normal uh stand-up uh which is great too um but it's just uh you know you have to uh you know find your groove and you know right now i'm almost in a state of confusion I'm with, I'm with you on the confusion part i'm confused a lot right now on my stand-up but like you know adam sandler told me it took him nine years to figure out okay this is how i want to do my stand-up so you're right at that mark you know uh you know but like at bones and buddies i felt like my set now what's bones and buddies for people who like so bones and buddies is a show i run in uh, hermosa beach with 
the great Hermosa Beach Mary, or as you uh, guys will know her, Mary Stevens. Uh, she's an awesome person that is one of the people that's a fan of the comedy store. About three years ago, we started a show in her backyard in Hermosa Beach, and it's become pretty popular. And so Saturday night, we had a show, and Earl was there. Very funny show. Uh, a rat came out and greeted Earl while he was on stage in a Snuggie. Not Stephen Pierce. Well, it was very cold. It was cold. But, you know, I, I this is one of the shows that I, uh, you know, tell people, like, don't just go up at the comedy store, you know, do a, a backyard show in Hermosa Beach. And it was packed. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was that was a really good show last night. But uh, I had a feeling it's I'm going through this right now where my confidence can be really good one night and then my confidence can be lower the next. And I, I went up on stage and had good confidence going in, but then I did my set in the middle and I felt like my confidence was lacking and therefore my jokes weren't as good. And I see that a lot right now where I'm still teetering on how confident I can be. But that's everyone. Yeah. You know, that's one of the great things about the comedy stores. You know, I've seen every big comic in the world in the OR trying stuff out, doesn't work. I'm, I mean, I won't mention names because I don't want to get blacklisted. <laughs> and I don't mean the James Spader show, but like I've, I've even seen recently as, as, as early as last week, I saw, uh, let's just say a big one in there kind of trying out new material. Some was good. Some, you know, he was just kind of fucking around. But uh, so if it's happening to the biggest of the big, it's going to happen to you and me for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that good feeling of you know that the material works. You know you made the mistake. You can fix it. Well, some nights it's the crowd. Uh, I, I very rarely will blame the crowd, but especially at the comedy store, you know, when it's late night and, you know, they've already been there for two hours and uh, they've seen every big comic from Rogan to Joey Diaz to, you know, Eliza to Nikki to... Um, you know jason galern and theo they're beat up you know brian holtzman like you know by the time i get up there it's it's they're dead and yeah you know so it, it's they're not gonna necessarily they give me like two minutes go okay make us laugh monkey man <laughs> and if you don't we're leaving uh so uh but it's great training it, it's made me in the four years that i've been past at the store it's made me a hundred times better the comic because i've watched your development through you when you got past i saw you really step up your game but you're always following someone funny i don't think people get that at the comedy store or the improv or you know laugh factory well i mean i don't know about the laugh factory but uh you know like the comedy store lineups there's not one weak comic yeah um you know there's like even the comic who's going on before don barris is going to be someone incredibly funny the only time you'll get weak comics is during fallouts. Well, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know who's, you know, you're referring to specifically, but I don't, I don't know either. I'm just saying that you'll get somebody who's not that strong, in a but they're an old spot. school paid regular, right? And, you know, that's one of the great things about uh, the comedy store. It's like getting your name on the Stanley Cup. Once you're passed, you're in there. Uh, of course, it depends on who the booker is, you know. Um, you know as to if you will get spots but for those of you wondering what a fallout is it's on uh, tuesday and wednesdays if there's time at the end of the lineup which there usually isn't because everyone runs the light uh 
if you're a paid regular, you can go on. Uh, so it's uh, like one of the perks of, you know, you can go up at the number one club in the country at least one or two times a week if there's room, uh, which is pretty cool. I thought about uh, when that Mitzi's memorial, I thought, this must suck for Adam. Like, he's probably getting hit up by every old pay regular. Oh, my God. I went to... Uh, that must have killed him. It sucks for... Uh, well, they just don't get it. Like, I saw one old-timer. Uh, you know, he's probably 65, and, uh, you know, he literally hasn't done comedy in, like, almost two decades. But he is passed up there. But he... I mean, he's got nothing going on. Like, nothing. And... He was like hitting Adam up for a spot. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, look at the lineups. Where on this lineup is Adam going to put you? Yeah. Uh, and it's had nothing to do with his age. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of older comics who are funnier than anyone who's in their 20s. Uh, and they got stuff going on. Uh, so. Because they've stayed in it. They're consistent. Yeah. But this guy was like hitting Adam up for a spot. It's like, are you out of your fucking mind? You literally haven't done stand up since evening at the improv. Yeah. Uh, you know argus is one of those ones who's older and you just watch him he's methodical he goes out there you never see him bomb well i i don't know about he, never but like you know i mean we all bomb well yeah you know you know what i mean though he's very he's very consistent in the main room uh, i mean everyone bombs everyone like even if you're a famous comic you know it's just it's i think it's the the edge that gives you the juice you bomb i bomb uh or at least maybe bombs a strong word, but you know, you're gonna not a good set. Yeah. I mean, I've the OR, like I, you know, I did like three angry sets in a row where it killed. And then, uh, I think, well, last week I had a set that, Oh, this isn't killing, you know, you know, if you do it long enough, you're going to bomb. Well, yeah, Don the other night, uh, first time I've known Don for eight years now and seen him almost every night of those eight years. Uh, uh, close out the show and i've never heard him come up to me and say i didn't like my set i've never heard him say that he well he has it the toughest out of anyone yeah but i've out of those eight years i've never heard him have him come up to me and say that and he just said that and he's like i didn't like my set tonight i didn't connect i didn't connect well it's hard to connect it like fucking you know literally he's going on at two in the morning and at that point they've heard everything uh so it's very uh difficult to uh keep their attention and you got to figure if if anyone's in a comedy club at fucking two in the morning they're either drunk coked up or both so they're not going to be the greatest crowd plus Chappelle and rock were in the room so they're all looking at them probably yeah and that sucks because you know they know that um they're coming up and then so they're not really giving the person on stage uh you know much uh love or whatever you want to call it um so, uh, but you know, you gotta, you can learn from bombing. Yeah. You know, I do. I still do. Like, okay, what could I have done better? You know, and some, some nights it will be the crowd. Um, especially if you're doing bar shows, you, you know, you got TVs on and football on and hockey and all that. Uh, it's, um, you know you, you you learn almost more from your bad sets than you do your good ones so at least well, that's what i found well on that trip when i was doing those bar gigs but they were with music 
I realized I will never do another show where there's music involved and drinking because people hate when you interrupt their music for comedy, especially at a bar. Had a lot of angry people that I dealt with during the trip from that. Well, but I mean, road gigs are even tougher because it's like, you know, they're not there for comedy and necessarily they're just, oh, it's a sports bar. Like, you know, what was it? The black iguana. I mean, the teal iguana. So, uh, you know, I'm sure they're, uh, you know, comedy's like an afterthought. There we go. Tampa uh, Bay interception. But we got Tampa Bay interception, but we can't really talk about the game because we're going <laughs> to lose the audience. Uh, so what's uh, what's in the future for you in comedy? I mean, what's uh, I mean, I know you're working on Byron Allen's show. I'm working on right now. I, I write a bunch of things, but I, I'm working on writing a pilot. I, I want to. I have an idea for a show that I want to work on. Um, and working with Argus on this show at the comedy store, hoping that that progresses and we can start getting. What's the goal with that show? Just to make art do something. I, I did it personally because Argus has been a mentor to me and he's been a big part of my comedy life. And so he asked me to put it, put it together for him. And uh, Michael Nathanson, the new comedy store exec, uh, got with me and he's a really good guy and he started talking about the things we could do and uh i just did it because i wanted to help argus because he's helped me so much he was the first person i ever sold a joke to he was uh he was always willing to help me uh if i had a joke he would always help me sit there and write out something better for it or maybe give me a tag or a punchline. um so it was something i wanted to do for him and eventually down the road it's going to be a comedy store show live it's done live every tuesday at uh 7 p.m in the comedy store basement they've set up a whole basement now it looks beautiful down there for the live podcast and uh eventually to get sponsors and get the comedy stores youtubes and all all their live streaming up to par with let's say all things comedy or one of these bigger you know media companies so that the comedy store has their own feed so they don't have to go anywhere else but the comedy store. The comics can go there and do it. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And, you know, now with Comedy Central and all things comedy joining forces and, you know, uh, of course, there's, you know, Death Squad is, you know, really a forerunner. They're kind of the ground, they're kind of the ground floor of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, they started it all. I mean, Red Band and Rogan and and then, you know, that's where Rogan brought in all his funny friends and, Comedy stores now trying to do the same. I think the Laugh Factory has a podcast thing. Yeah, they got a podcast thing. They started up. Sean Joshi uh, is who was on the. He was on the Bones and Buddies. He's doing the Laugh Factory's podcast right now. And I know the Improv uh, had a podcast room, but it didn't. Uh, I mean, I thought it would work out. I mean, they had a great room, but uh, you know, it's not. You know, podcasting is not as easy as people think it is. No, it's super hard. You know, even doing this podcast with you today was like, you know, it took months uh, w- when you could do it, I couldn't. And when I could do it, you couldn't. And like, it's, it's you know, it's not that hard for me to edit it, but like, it's, you know, it, it, it's not that easy. No. And you have to also, it's being, finding the entertainment, finding what you want to do with your podcast, finding what your angle is and where you want to go with it and being consistent. Well, my angle is just to have people on I want to talk to, like, I think this is episode 242, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and not one person have I not wanted on my couch. So, uh, 
you that's know. great. Yeah, and I, I uh, looked at your podcast today, and you had some really, really interesting ones. I mean, I have some weird ones. I have, you know, a lot of people like '80s metal guys that I actually like, like those a lot. Those are some of the ones I really look forward to. I mean, those were fun for me just because uh, you know I like to have Stephen Piercy from Rat on. That's kind of cool, and you know now we're friends. And the drummer from Cinderella, and uh, you know a couple other people, and then you know to have you know two people who've won stanley cups come on the podcast you know dustin penner and theo flurry maybe uh, a future super bowl champion. yeah i mean i you know we did a show me and eric that the patio show where there's uh, uh what was the guy's name again tolly banta mccain or tolly banta kane tolly banta kane it was a offensive lineman for uh the new england patriots and he won two super bowls uh so i would have him on just to talk about life in the nfl and i mean i'm not gonna get at this point super famous people but uh people with interesting stories in their lives yeah and that's i'm proof positive out of all the podcasts in the top 20 you know i probably get the least known guest but it it still hangs in there with you know the bigger podcast because you know you know it's interesting so um now do, you, do you have any fun shows coming up in the stand-up world people can check out i do not uh have anything really great on board i, I do the squat melt behind meltdown it's howard kramer show if you want to go check that out every wednesday night at 8 p.m behind meltdown comics you can go check that out it's a it's a free show you bring your own beer if you want to drink bring uh, whatever you want lawn chairs uh it's actually a really great show and uh, Brody Stevens hooked me up with that gig and I've been doing it a bunch now and it's no microphone, no stage. It's in the back alley. Uh, it's a pretty hard show, but it's fun. Now, uh, the last thing I want to talk about is, and it's something I've never understood about you because I've never really asked you, you, uh, served in the military. Yeah, I was, uh, I served for a little bit in the military. I was kind of discharged on, in negative terms with the military and then fought my way to get my honorable discharge but what branch were you in i was in the army so did you serve like yeah overseas? I no i did not serve overseas oh okay well, like what i mean like so you were like stationed at a base and yeah i was stationed uh so i went started off at started off at fort sill oklahoma uh artillery i got all my artillery training i was actually high speed i was a i was like a top in my battalion really good i knew the i knew my job i knew what i was doing so they sent me to airborne school because the top soldiers get forced pretty much to go to airborne. Um, they tricked me pretty much into going to airborne. I didn't want to. I didn't want to jump out of a plane. But uh, my drill sergeants told me, they're like, you got to go do airborne. It's right for you. You're going to make a lot of extra money. You're going to do it. You're gonna... And so I went and did that. I went to Fort Benning, Georgia. And then right when I got there, I decided I'm not jumping out of a plane. And they asked you the first day, they were like, who wants to drop out? We need 200 people to drop out. And I was like, I'm out. And so why did they need 200 people to drop out? Because they overbook it. They they put they overput soldiers in it. So they like so they'll have like 500 in the class and basically 300 of those people won't make it. Only 200 will be passed. So they needed 200 more to just go ahead and say I don't want to do it. It's pretty much just they weed out a lot of people by doing that. Okay. And uh, so I took it. I took my extra duty. You get extra duty for two weeks on Fort Benning. I took that. 
What's extra duty mean? Just you're going out so they keep you busy and you're going out and helping. So I know it was really cool. Actually, I got to go help the pathfinders and the rangers and I got to see how hard it was to be a army ranger. It's ridiculous. Those guys were out there talking to themselves because they hadn't been sleeping in three days. And like just you met these people who were going through the training and you're like, I would never be able to do that. What was the hardest thing physically for you to do? The seven. Okay. So in the end of the training for artillery, we had a 17 and a half. It was a 17 mile ruck march. But my battle buddies and I went the wrong way because these during your ruck march, it's called the rites of passage. The drill sergeants drive these white vans through the uh, where you're walking. And if you see the white van, you have to duck for cover and find place to hide so they don't see you. It's just a training tool to so like if the enemy's coming, you can hide. And so this white van came and my friends and I ducked and we, we ran around this corner and we hid. And then when we got back on to the uh, trail, we went the wrong way. So we ended up doing like 17.9 kilometers and like adding on to our 17 kilometer March. And that was the hardest I've ever done just cause they're like, your body's done. You're like, I cannot believe my body can do this. I never thought my body could do that. And then when you make it past where you get, and that's when you're finally a soldier rites of passage, they finally give you your stripes and they finally tell you you're in the army. You don't, they we don't need to fuck with you anymore. And uh, that was probably the hardest uh, thing to get over. Now, um, what about like gays in the military? Were you guys asked, are you gay? No, but we had gays. We had like a lot of gay people in the military and some of them were really like way tougher soldiers than I was like, but like, are you asked when you're signing up are you, or will you be bothered being around gay people? No. When I went in, there was no, it was don't ask, don't tell. Um, very much. You didn't talk about it. And the gay kids I knew they were, people knew they were gay, but they weren't allowed to like, just come out and be like, I'm homosexual. And then they'd get article 15 and sent out of the army. Um, and what what about racism did you ever see racism in the army yeah oh yeah um like what i guess the white the white combat soldiers like i would hear a lot of racist shit out of the like the infantry uh white infantry men were the most racist and cavalry uh, i heard some really racist shit from cavalry guys and infantry guys um but more bravado racism you know like trying to be like macho saying the words right and right. I, I really hate that kind of racism because it's, it's it proves nothing and it just kind of obnoxious really. Um, so yeah, I saw that. And then, yeah. So after uh, Fort Sill, Fort Benning, I went to Fort drum, the coldest base in the military. Where is uh, that? 10th mountain division. It's in upstate New York. It's right near Canada, right near Kingston, Canada. Um, it was a very good life experience. It helped me prepare for stand up because living there was not easy. And what, uh, like where did like, were you ever around like Navy SEALs or like what's the toughest unit in the army? Like the one Army Rangers. Like, is that like, uh, yeah, I guess you wouldn't be the, the Green Navy Berets, Seals. Army Rangers. There, uh, and there's also like, uh, what I can't remember the name right now. It's in Black Hawk Down. Uh, Delta Force. Delta Force is the one where the. It's a good Chuck Norris movie. Well, that's the unit in the army that doesn't exist, but it really does. And they're all the best of the Army Rangers. So, like, the Army Rangers' best people can't get into Delta, like they, they still waiting to get into Delta force. Like there's people still waiting. Like if you uh, are really good, like say at your level, like if you were like some maniac physical specimen, do they take you aside and go, do you want to be a Delta force? Or do you want to at least try to be a Delta force? I was actually, uh, 
I was a freak in running and I got 300 on my PTs. So when you're getting 300 on your PTs, they get like a test. So 100 in pushups, 100 in sit-ups and 102 mile run. And each one you can get extra points. Like, so it's 77 uh, pushups, 75 sit-ups or 78, something like that. And then a 12 minute, two mile run. Uh, I would do the exactly pushups, exactly uh, sit-ups. Then I'd run a 11 minute, 30 second, two mile, which would just push my score up really high. And then uh, that eventually got my captain to ask why I quit airborne school. And I told him because I didn't want to jump out of a plane. He's like, would you want to be a ranger? And I was just like, not really. Cause then I'll have to jump out of a plane. And he's like, you can be ranger tabbed without jumping out of a plane. So he tried to recruit me to ranger tab me. And I just said, no, uh, because I saw their training and I knew I couldn't do it. Well, I've not, well, uh, there's a white guy making a big touchdown for the uh, Steelers. I, once again, I know I'm going to lose the iTunes crowd. Cause we're talking about, you know, a football game that, uh, you know, but uh, Vance McDonald just scored a 75-yard TD reception. It's crazy the Steeler fan base travels, I think, better than any fan base out there. Philadelphia, too. Oh, Philadelphia's good, but like... Eagles. I went to uh, a game uh, in San Diego, uh, and I felt like I was at a Steeler home game. I mean, it was crazy. Um, well, damn, I've never seen a white guy run this good. Vance McDonald. To- I have most respect for Steelers fans out of any fans in the NFL because I went to the Super Bowl in Tampa, Arizona versus Pittsburgh. And uh, at the end of the game, by the way, one of the best games. It was so entertaining. Uh, At the end of the game, all these kids were crying. All these Arizona fans, kids were crying in the stadium. And all the Steelers fans, instead of celebrating, were running up and giving these little kids hugs. And you saw it all over the stadium. And I was just like, that's a good fan base. I tell you what's not good is the Steelers kicker who just missed the fucking Chris Boswell and I have him on my fantasy team. What Boswell's having a rough one, uh, but well, Eric, I guess this is about time where we bid adieu. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, websites? Uh, yeah, I mean shows. Your Byron Allen show. I mean, where can people who want to know more about you that they didn't find out? I wish I had more going on in my life. I just got back to LA recently, so I'm trying to get back into the swing of booking shows again and doing what I'm doing. But you can find me, Eric Oligny, E-R-I-C-O-L-I-G-N-Y on everything. And uh, I guess you can watch Byron Allen's show if you feel like maybe you need a nap. Funny you should ask. You can go watch that and pass yeah, it I mean, out. You know, I don't know if we really need that and out there. But hey, if you, I lived uh, in a building with Byron Allen's mom. She's awesome. She's a sweet lady. Century Park East and Olympic. And uh, I would always see him in the lobby and he would always come up to me because I said, I'm a fan. You're some real people. You know, Skip Stevenson. He loved it. And he would complain to me about the ratings for his show. And it's like, dude, you're interviewing like Toadie from Facts of Life at (laughs) three in the morning on Sunday. Like, it's not like you're getting a primetime slot there, Holmes. Be happy with what you get. Eric, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me on, Earl. Inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You know the drill. Uh, follow Eric. He's a good dude. Follow his comedy exploits on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, leave a review uh, for this if you can on iTunes. It literally takes 30 seconds. It's not that hard. Um, and if you don't like it, leave a bad review. Like, you know, I can't take him down. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, for the most part, the reviews are favorable. But, uh, you know, if you got a problem with the show, put in a review and hit iTunes.
uh, I'm a man of the people. I take care of my fans. Uh, coming up soon, we got Ace Van Johnson, the guitar player from Faster Pussycat. Possibly Kevin Hooks, who played Maurice Thorpe from The White Shadow. Uh, he's a hard guy uh, because he works so much, but I'm working on him. Um, and we got a few other surprises um, in uh, October 16th at the Palladium Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. Uh are playing and they have told me the conspirators have told me with Mr. Kennedy that they will do the podcast. So that's something to look forward to. And, uh, you know, my comedy exploits are well known at the comedy store a couple times a week. And, uh, I can't say the jellies is coming back. I can't say it's not coming back. I would just make sure to have your adult swim subscription up to date.